Amen, and thank you. Well, good morning. Hope everybody's awake today, and uh, some are going to be traveling. Others are going to stay put. Uh, if you are traveling, pray God's traveling mercies upon you. Uh, if you're receiving family, friends that are coming to you, pray safety and uh, for this and these days uh, together, and uh, just pray God's uh, abundant grace upon you during this time, and that you each, everyone, have a merry, blessed Christmas and a blessed New Year. Uh, this will be my last Sunday for 2023, but I'll see you next year, Lord willing, okay? And which won't be too far, and I'll begin with you again for an extended time on January the 7th. So uh, somebody said this morning, they said, well, I'm sorry that this is your last day. I said, no, it's not my, said, it's my last day this year. They said, oh, okay. So I said, so anyway, I appreciated their sympathy and everything, so, uh, and for this, but uh just uh, look forward to this and the days and uh, continue to pray for our church and for the days of transition together. And, you know, I just continue to beat the drums about the Great Commission because I do believe in it. And uh, that if you haven't given a gift, a special gift towards uh, Lottie Moon, towards the international missions, I pray that you'll do so, so that all may hear, so that all may come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, all have opportunity to hear the message, the saving message of Christ Jesus in enduring these days. Well, you know what? No one uh, can be so brutally honest like a little child. They don't mean to be brutal. They don't mean to be hurtful. But uh, I have found through the years that if you want an honest answer, if you want an honest opinion, then go ask a child something. I heard about this little boy that right after Christmas, he wrote his aunt a thank you note for his Christmas gift. And his note went this way, Dear Aunt Carol, thank you for the Christmas gift that you sent to me. The present you sent to me for Christmas was almost as good as the one I really wanted. (laughs) Well, the Lord Jesus came, and when God gave his only son, his only begotten son, God gave a better gift than you or I could have ever imagined. A better gift than you or I could have ever really wanted. That when God gave his son, he gave his very best. And so when we come to John chapter 1, we see what I call, what I believe is the theology of Christmas, or better yet, as the title of the message today says, the Christ of Christmas. So I invite you to take your Bibles this morning, and I want to read five verses from John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and reading these first five verses today on the Christ of Christmas. Now hear what John says, and Keep your Bible open to just this passage because we'll refer to this passage. John says, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created 
that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it, did not comprehend it. Now, unlike the other gospel writers, John is not interested in the where of Christmas, nor is he interested in the when of Christmas. John is interested in the who and the why of Christmas. John was not really concerned about the birth of Jesus as he was the why of that particular birth. He assumes the reality of the manger. Maybe that's why he doesn't talk about it. He wants us to understand, though, the revelation of the manger. And so when you compare the Gospel of John with the other three Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll find that John was not the broadest Gospel writer, but he was definitely the deepest Gospel writer. For example, you don't uh, read anything in John about the birth of Jesus. There's nothing in John about the manger, the angels, the shepherds, uh, nothing about Bethlehem, nothing about the baptism of Jesus or the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus, that he loved to tell stories, uh, those that we refer to as parables, and there are 39 in the Gospels, but you look it up, there's not one parable that you find in the Gospel of John. And so to me, John was the most profound of all of the uh, Gospel writers. Um, he probably would have been the theologian of the, of, the, of the writers, of all four of the writers. He was not a wordy writer, but he did have weight to his words. And so when we read these first five verses here in John chapter 1, you can just kind of count it up, and it's somewhere of about 64, 65, some 66 words. But you'll find enough theology and enough truth and teaching in those 65 words that uh, you and I could fill up volumes. And unlike Matthew and Luke, who look at the birth of Jesus through the eyes of man, it is John who looks at the birthday of the king through the eyes of God. And so I pray that as we come to this passage this morning, that the Holy Spirit of God will give us all a greater appreciation of the Christ of Christmas. This is a very simple outline this morning, but one I pray that you'll all follow and we'll look at together. John tells us three things about the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one is this. He tells us who Jesus was, or we could say who Jesus is. Who was the Lord Jesus? Well, John begins by saying that in the beginning was the Word. Now, we don't have to guess who John meant by the Word. Several verses down in verse 14 in John 1.14 John says that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And so when John talks about the Word, he's talking about none other than the incarnate Christ. That little baby born in a manger over 2,000 years ago. And in this short verse of John chapter 1 verse 1, 
John identifies for us in an unmistakable fashion exactly who Jesus was, and that's where it would, that there would be no misunderstanding. Now look at this. First of all, he says that he is eternally God. He says, he begins, in the beginning was the Word. Now, this does not refer to a start. It refers to a state. It's not a temporal start, that is. It refers to an eternal state. And you recognize these first three words of John because they're the first three words of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning. But there's a big difference between Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. In Genesis 1, after the first three words, we look forward to the creation of man. But John does not look forward when he says, in the beginning to the creation of man. No, John looks backward to the very existence of God. You notice that John doesn't say, from the beginning was the Word. No, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus was before the beginning because he had no beginning. If you have a pen or a marker, you might want to just circle that little verb, was. In the beginning was the Word. The very tense of that verb tells us that it was something that happened in the past with the effect to continue into the future. Uh, translated, we could put it this way, that in the beginning was the Word, is the Word, and always will be the Word. In other words, that before there was ever this world, there was Jesus Christ. That before there was ever the cosmos, there was the Christ. And so, like God the Father, God the Son, never had a beginning God the Son never had an ending. That He existed eternally in a time where there was no time, and He now lives in a place where there is no time. Jesus had His birth in Bethlehem, but not His beginning. He was born in Bethlehem, but that's not when He began. There was never a time when Jesus was not God. There was never a time... When, Je- when Jesus was not. You might have ever heard it said this way sometime. Or someone say that he is the only person who was ever born that at the moment of his birth was older than his mother and as old as his father. That because he is the eternal God without beginning, without ending, that yes, that he is the great I am eternal God. It's a little story about a man who worked at a post office. Uh, Sad to say, his wife, the man's wife, had been uh, killed two months before in an automobile accident. And it was Christmas time, and there was a mountain of mail that that had piled up at the post office. And this man was drowning in grief, drowning in sorrow, overcome with sorrow that he would... He would go to go to work, and he would work overtime just to get his mind off of his particular situation. He went down to the post office one afternoon, and going through all of the mail right after Christmas, 
and a lot of mail that had been lost, and he was going to try to reroute the mail. Now, they had trained him that every time that he received, that every time he looked at a letter to Santa Claus, that he was to open it and see where it was from and either reply to it or send it on to somewhere else. Well, he picked up one particular envelope, he opened it, and he noticed there on the envelope that up in that top left-hand corner that the return address was his address. And he noticed that at the bottom of the letter that it was signed by his own daughter, by his own little girl. And his daughter wrote this. She said, Dear Santa, my mommy died two months ago, and since then, my daddy has been crying himself to sleep at night. Daddy says that only eternity will heal him. Would you please send a little bit of eternity to my dad for Christmas? Well, folks, that's exactly what God did over 2,000 years ago. He sent a little bit of eternity, but he sent more than that. He sent the very heart of heaven to you and to me. John says in another place in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. So, who was the Lord Jesus? Well, He is eternally God. He is not only eternally God, but He is also equally God. In the beginning was the Word. Here we go. And the Word was with God. Now, why does uh, John call Jesus the Word? Well, a word is a visible expression of a, an invisible thought. That in a real sense, that you can see what I'm thinking by what I'm saying. And so the way that we express our thoughts, yes, are through words. Well, Jesus Christ was the visible expression of an invisible God. Now, if you have your pen or you have your marker again, you might take and just uh, underline or just circle that little preposition with, that the Word was with God. And that little preposition could be translated this way, toward or facing or face to face. So we could translate that verse this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was face-to-face with God. Now, what does that tell me? Well, it tells me, for one thing, that there's a trinity up there. There's a trinity in heaven. That God is not only God the Father, that He must also be God the Son. That they were face-to-face with one another. And so when you study the Bible, you find out from the very first verse in Genesis 1 that, yes, that there is a trinity in heaven. For example, Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. Sometimes do a study on the names of God. It's a wonderful study. But the very name God is in the plural form, Elohim. In the beginning, God. Then there is a singular verb, Created In the beginning, God, plural, created, singular, the heavens and the earth. Remember that when God created man, 
God did not say, let me make man in my own image. No, what do you, no, let us make man in our own image. Now, why did he say that? Who was involved in creating us? Well, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but from time to time, I'll have these particular groups. Wherever I've served, they've always been at my house. They come in pairs. And they'll knock on my door, and they want to talk about their religion. They want to give me some of their literature. They want to do this. Now, they're on my home turf, so I get to do all the talking, okay? All right? So you've come to my house, so I get to talk. And if we're going to talk especially about God and about Jesus and especially about theology. And so they'll come, and they'll begin to talk, tell me who they are. And I'll just say, you know what? I've got one question to ask. Maybe you've done this before. Um... You ask them, is Jesus the Son of God? And their answer is yes. I said, all right, let me ask you another question. Is Jesus God the Son? And their answer is no. And they deny what John teaches here in John chapter 1, verse 1. And they'll say something like this. Well, that's a little g, not a big g. It's not a big God, but a little God that uh, John is talking about. Because if they taught a, a big God, a real God, to them, you would be worshiping three gods. Because to them... One plus one plus one equals three. Now, their math is right, but their theology is wrong. Yes, one plus one plus one equals three. But you know what? I learned early that one times one times one equals one. God the Father. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, even the triune universe in which we live is an expression of a triune God. Our universe is made up of three things, space, matter, and time. But when we think about space, space is made up of length, breadth, and height. And you look at matter, matter is made up of energy, motion, and substance, and you look at time, there is a past, present, and future, and you look at man that God created, that man has body, soul, and spirit. So John just clues us in right in the very beginning that Jesus is eternally God. Jesus is equally God. And then he says that Jesus then is essentially God, because he concludes verse 1 and he says, and the word was God. Well, you can't make it any plainer than that. Philip, a follower of Jesus, asked the Lord Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and that's enough for us. And Jesus said that he who has seen me has seen the Father. And that's why Jesus could claim That I and my Father are one. That he was the only one who could ever say that of his Father. Now that's a little bit about who Jesus was. 
But secondly, we also see of what Jesus did. We find this in verse 3, that he created everything that there is. Now look at these two things. One, he is the maker of all creation. Here's what John says. All things were created through him. Now here's the question. Who created the world? God or Jesus? Well, the answer to the question is yes. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1, verse 3. John says, all things were created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. One little boy asked his mama one time, he said, Mama, he said, uh, who made the sun? She said, well, God did. He said, well, who made the moon? And she said, well, God did. He said, well, who made the stars and the animals? She said, well, God did. And the little boy was getting frustrated. He said, Mama, he said, I want to ask you something. He said, Doesn't Jesus ever do anything? Well, not only does Jesus do anything, Jesus did everything. You go back to verse 3 again and take your pen and just circle, underline that word all. All things were created through Him. Jesus was not contrary to what some may say. Jesus was not a created being, that He was the creator being. God didn't make him because he was God, that little newborn baby, that God who had humbled himself in Luke chapter 2 was none other than the great creator God in Genesis chapter 1. So in John chapter 1 verse 1, Jesus was beyond creation. And in John chapter 1 verse 3, Jesus is behind creation, that he is the maker of creation. He's not only the maker of creation, He's also the master of creation. John will go on to say that apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. That because he is the creator of all things, he is the controller of all things. Now Paul tells us in another place in Colossians chapter 1 and verses 16 and in verse 17, Paul says, for by him All things were created, and then he goes on to say that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you know what's holding the world together right now? It's the Lord Jesus. Do you know what keeps the universe from breaking up into a trillion pieces? The Lord Jesus. That he's the glue of the galaxy. That he holds all things together. And don't you think since he holds all things together. The galaxy and all of creation that he created. That he can hold your life together. That even when maybe you think that things are falling apart. And situation is not going as you think it should. But by you trusting in him and loving him. And your hope is in him. Listen. He has you. He holds all things Together. He is the creator God. Now that's what he 
did. We see who Jesus was. Now, here's the best part of the story. It's why Jesus came. The creator was not content with creating a creation. Now the creator wants us to become a creature. He wants to become a creature in his own creation. Why is that? Well, these two things. One is, he came to bring life to the dead. Verse 4, he says, John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Well, who needs life? The only ones who need life are those who are dead. And so, you know, we talk about the walking dead. They've got a show, I think, called The Walking Dead. Well, look out your window sometime. Georgetown, the surrounding area, the state, the nation, the world. Listen, people who get up and go to work, people who walk every day, listen, whoever that, listen, That there are people out there that are the walking dead. Those who think they are living, but they are dead. I shared in the early service. And a man says, well, they do it a little bit different this way. But uh, (laughs) one man wanted to take his son and kind of educate him on the ways of life. And so they lived out on a farm. And so... He took a chicken and he took a hatchet and he took that chicken and put that chicken on the stump on the block and took that hatchet and just took that chicken's head off. Then he let the chicken go. Well, what'd that chicken do? Well, that chicken was walking around. You know, you've heard of a chicken walking around with his head chopped off. Well, little boy looked up at his daddy and he says, Daddy, he says, that chicken's dead, doesn't even know it. Well, that's the way it is with a lot of folks out there. That we have an area full of people who are dead. They don't even know it. They get up and go to work. They work all day or they go to school or whatever it is. Well, listen, without Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. He not only has life, he is life and therefore gives life everlasting. Jesus said in the face of death. That one of his great I am claims, he said in John 11, that I am and no other else. I am the resurrection and the life. That he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never, ever die. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you love him, you can't die. Your body might collapse. The breath may leave your body, your heart may stop, but you can't die. Real, abundant, joyful life is knowing God and the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. So He came to bring life to those who are dead. And secondly, He came to bring light to the dark. John says again in this same passage that the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not overcome it. A person who does not know the Lord Jesus is not only spiritually dead. That person is also in the dark. 
Jesus said again in one of his great I am's claims that I am the light of the world. That anyone who follows me will never ever walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. He came not only to regenerate the dead, he came to illuminate the dark. Remember that the first thing that God said to a darkened world was, let there be light. And the first thing God does for a sinner in the dark is to open his eyes and to give him or her light. Do you know you're saved? Do you know that you're born again? You know personally in your heart, in your life, that there was a time in your life that by the grace of God, that he turned on the light. I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart to see so many looking for light in the wrong places. That they can continue to look here and there, but yet it's only found in Jesus Christ. And there are people walking in darkness. They're blind and they can't see. The other sad thing is to see people who either refuse to come to the light to find it or reject it when they do find it and when it's given to them freely. Jesus said in John 3 verse 19 that this is the, this is the verdict that light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, came in a world of darkness. That he came over 2,000 years ago into this wicked world. And this wicked world since that time has spent time and energy and money to put out that light. But the good news is this. That the faintest light, the faintest light cannot be put out by the deepest darkness. That it is Jesus Christ shining his light in and through your life each and every day. Now, this happened five years ago. I can still remember reading it. Maybe you did too. You might want to Google sometime the uh, early rain covenant reformed church there in China. And just as you read about them, well... This happened, I can remember this, December the 16th, 2018, that the Chinese police, and this still goes on today, but the Chinese police raided the early rain covenant church on a Sunday evening and also then went to the homes of various church members to take them into custody. Now, how would you like that? Okay. You have the police come in, arrest you. Listen, they'd even go to your homes. Others were tracked down by their cell phones by the police. The church was unregistered. Get this. They were unregistered with the Chinese government and was arrested for inciting subversion of state power. Reports state that the church was shut down because it was unauthorized. Members of the church posted images to the early, to the early rain Facebook page of bruises, torn clothing that they allegedly suffered at the hands of the Chinese police. More than 100 were arrested and detained. Now there was one post that declared this. The church member said this, they want to completely erase the early rain church from this country. 
But the Lord's purpose is to make this church deeper in this country and deep in their hearts. The Lord's church is the only community in the world that has survived forever. Today, let us carry the eternal life to encounter the sufferings, the evil, the tears in this place. This is the beauty of the Lord, and it is part of our cup. End of quote. The faintest light cannot put out the deepest darkness. And the deeper the darkness, the brighter the light. Who Jesus was and he is. What Jesus did. Why Jesus came. The Christ of Christmas. Do you know him? Do you know God and you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? If not, then come to know him today. Trust in him to be your Savior. Serve him as your Lord. This may be the first time you've heard the message of Christ. It may have been many times that you've heard the message of Christ, but you've never done anything about it. And yet today, you need to tell someone about it. You need to tell me. You need to tell your friend. You need to tell someone just to say today, I I need to trust Christ as my Savior and my Lord. In a few moments, we're going to have a time of singing, and Alan's going to lead us. And I'll be standing here at the front, and you can come to me, and God would give you the courage just come to just come and as we talk, as we pray. Or maybe that you would come afterwards and talk to me or maybe to Brother Allen or someone that you can visit with today about your relationship with Christ. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience and baptism. Place your life in the fellowship of this church, this church home, this church family. Be a witness for him. God's calling his church today. Listen cross the street, to talk to their neighbors, those at work, to cross the sea, to tell others of the message of Christ. What's God calling in your heart today to do for him? Follow him, know him, and know the Christ of Christmas. Father, we thank you, Lord, today. We thank you, Lord God, for your word. Thank you that Jesus Christ, yes, is the living word. Father, that uh, we find why Jesus, he is, what he did, why he came. And Lord, this is what Christmas is all about. And Lord, that you still seek to, Lord, bring life to those who are dead and turn the light on to those who are in the darkness. So we ask this, Lord, today that your spirit, O God, be at work within the hearts and lives of your people, for others, Lord, today, someone we know that's dear to us who needs to know Christ, that we will seek to be a witness, Lord, to them. Bless this time, O God, and Lord, I pray that for those who give the courage, the strength to make that decision for you today, for whatever it would, would be, and Lord, your name would be honored and glorified and lifted up through this and through this moment in time. Thank you, Father, Lord, for this even today. And, Lord, all is to your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we readily quietly stand together as we sing, Brother Allen leads us.